Welcome to Ecclesia Principles, a biblical strategy for believers to engage in God's design for government with Ray Eppard. Hello, glad you could join us again today. Um, we're talking about another principle. We started it yesterday, and we call that principle, the Ecclesia Principle, results-based reality results-based reality. Now, we talked yesterday about how Jesus talked in Luke chapter 7 that wisdom is justified by its children. In that being that wisdom, it functions and it works properly. The results, it shows the wisdom in that. Now, today I want to look at another verse, Matthew 12, uh, verse 33. And we'll get into, again, more about contrasting this results-based reality to what we're largely facing in our culture today. Our culture today is not dealing with a results-based reality. It's a fantasy-based reality, in all honesty. But Matthew 12, 33 says, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. A tree is known by its fruit. In other words, if you see a peach tree, the way, the way you know for sure it's a peach tree is it's got peaches on it. A walnut tree has walnuts on it. It has other characteristics, but those other characteristics are just things backing up, it's fruit. It's fruit. A tree is known by its fruit. Now, if you would, that is a results-based reality. The way people put it sometimes, you know, if it looks like a duck, walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, it's a duck. Results-based reality. Our current culture and it really began in the 60s uh, as far as this phase of it. Now, there were parts of uh, getting it there that started before that, but I, I don't want to get into all of that right now. But really beginning in the 60s, we started dealing with what many call social engineering. There are people that since the 60s have been trying to engineer our society to be something other than it is. If you would, the most uh, organized efforts, I'll, I'll go back a little bit further, but um, the, the modern uh, educational movement really began back in the 1800, late 1800s. And the design of those that founded it, if you would, there was little to no public education. Almost everything was private and Christian. Some just private, some Christian. But it was all private for the most part. Now, with that, what the agenda was, was to remove God from education. That started in the late 1800s. And it was designed also to remove the voice of the church from education. 
wow, has anybody seen anything lately regarding education that could tell us how well they have done in their agenda? That's pretty much where we are today. It's taken them almost 140 years, but again, back in the 60s, the social engineering, they, they made some great advancements for their cause. And by that, I mean they took prayer out of the school. They began to remove the Word of God from the marketplace, to begin to remove the Word of God from education. All those things created an acceleration in removing God from education, in removing the church's voice from education. All that was a part of it because at that juncture, they had made progress and then the social engineers came along and said, yes, this works with us. And, and the efforts were, if you would, doubled. You had multiple groups at that point working on it. And they succeeded in a number of things. And they have systematically been removing all the things that were a part of the culture of America, its values, its views, and so forth. And I'm not saying everything about America was right. Do not misunderstand me. It wasn't. Um, there were improvements that needed to be made. But we didn't need to throw the baby out with the bathwater, as they say. We needed to fix those things, but we needed to fix them consistent with the biblical foundations that our nation had. But the social engineers, they have thrown out everything that they can in relationship to God. Now, with this, again, either make the tree good or make it bad because the tree is known by its fruit. Now, the thing of it is, and, and I'm going to use uh, the African-American population here, going back to the 60s, and I'm not attaching this to the Civil Rights Movement. I'm attaching it to Lyndon Johnson's Great Society. Because if you would, in politics, there's often trade-offs. And if you would, Kennedy wanted civil rights. The Republicans wanted civil rights. Every Republican in Congress voted for the Civil Rights Act, every last one of them. Not all Democrats did. And as a matter of fact, Johnson, after the... Uh, Kennedy assassination, he had to pull some people in to get the Civil Rights Act to pass because if he was going to have any effect, then he needed to advance part of the Kennedy agenda. But with that, he attached his great society to it. Now, the problem is that great society <laughs> proposal has virtually destroyed our society. And if you would, those who were, no other term to use, but racist, that were opposed to civil rights, then they, because of what was put into the great society, it created a situation where largely African Americans would be able to be kept under the thumb of, of them. It would create a situation where there would be no generational momentum, that they would really 
by and large, some would be able to advance, but the majority would not. It would create a structure that would actually hinder the African-American population. The Great Society piece did that, not the Civil Rights piece, but the Great Society Act did. Because going into that, if you looked at white America and black America, divorce rates were virtually the same. Out of wedlock births, virtually the same. And something that comes down to a lot of issues today, crime rates were almost identical based on populations, the percentages of those crimes. Violent crimes were the same leading up into the 60s. Now, obviously, there were things economically that were not the case. There were some things societally that were not the case that did need to be fixed. But the great society put things into place under the guise of helping. I love what Ronald Reagan said. You know, some of the scariest words in the English language is, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. The Great Society was, quote, supposed to eradicate poverty. And all it has done is increase poverty within particularly the African-American population. It has increased poverty because of its approach. It was designed to create Let's pass the civil rights, everything will look good, but let's in reality keep these people down here. We'll create a bigger divide. And it has, it has impacted the African American community to such a degree that now uh, divorce rates, out of wedlock births, crime rate, there's no comparison. Now, the sad part of it is, is most people living today don't go back and look at what the statistics were. They think that, oh, there's just, you know, the black population's a problem. They're this, they're that. That was part of the design, is to create that division, and oh, we don't need to do this, we don't need to do that. But it was the great society that Johnson implemented that destroyed the black community that moved it from a place, same statistics, virtually, very little difference at all, except in economic income, uh, that they created that situation. That tree is bad. That tree is bad. You look at the inner cities of America today, the policies that have been being applied within those cultures are destroying the families, it's destroying their culture, it is destroying everything. But at that point, oh no, we need to help, we need to help. If it isn't helping, then it's not help. Results-based reality. If things continue to get worse, then what you're doing is not helping. There are some, I do honestly believe, care and are deluded in the idea of this approach will work. But what we have to be able to do is look at what are the results. If the results are creating more and more problems, then the policy is bad, the tree is bad. 
We need to cut down that tree and begin to do something else. A results-based reality. Now, and I'm going to get into more stuff with this because there's different applications to this that, that we need to look at and realize that's, that's being thrown to us today. And, but so much of what is being presented to us today has more of the emotional appeal. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't have emotions. And I'm not saying that, that we shouldn't have care and concern. But the bottom line is, if you really care and you're really concerned, you should look at the numbers. Is it actually doing what you wanted it to do? Is it actually making lives better or is it destroying lives? And there's a lot of policies that you can look at in our world today. You look at, uh, right now, two huge examples of this. You look at L.A., you look at Philadelphia. They, they have entire sections that uh, it's just homelessness. It, it is, uh, it's filth. Um, it, I mean, just people are just there. Uh, there is rampant drug use. There's, there's prostitution. There, there's all kinds of things there. And it is, it's just horrible. You know, Philadelphia is closer to us. I know people that go to Philadelphia and try to help some of those folks. The bottom line is those policies are not working. You can call it compassion, but when your compassion creates that type of situation, it's not compassion that you have. It is just a desire to maintain power that you have under the guise of compassion. We need to have a results-based reality. This principle is extremely important when it comes to solving the problems of our nation and of our society. God bless you. See you tomorrow.